Happy New Year, everybody. How many people have New Year's resolutions going? Show of hands. Couple? Not that many. Are we just shy or there's not that many? How many people have New Year's resolutions going on? Okay, a few more. There's a bunch. I have heard that not as many people in the past few years are doing New Year's resolutions as they used to. That's interesting. Here's why. Because they don't work. (laughs) Sorry, people who put up your hands. Some of you are already struggling. By February, most of you will have bailed. By July, almost everyone will have failed or bailed on your New Year's resolution. That's the bad news. New Year's resolutions for most people, not that nobody does them, but they don't really work. Most of them fail. Why do they fail? I think, for one, because we want to be happy because we want to feel good. And then we put a resolution in our life that might be healthy, but it doesn't feel really good. So we start to do the things that don't feel really good. And then something happens and we don't do that thing. And we go, oh, it feels better not to do that. And so we stop. We stop going to the gym. We stop eating healthy. We stop doing the things that take us away from our our healthy habits to the things that make us feel good. Some of us, it's because uh, we set unrealistic goals. It's too hard We shoot for the moon. We go from zero to 100. It's like I've never worked out in my life, and now I'm going to go to the gym every single day for two hours, and I'm going to be like the physical perfect person. Um, We don't plan properly. Uh, Some will say it's because we don't schedule. If it doesn't get in the calendar, then it's not going to happen. And so we we have these great intentions, but we don't actually make a plan. Uh, We don't put it in the calendar. We don't set the time aside. And so nothing happens. So uh, when 2022 becomes 2023, and the ball drops, and everybody cheers, and you kiss some that you love, and then you go, oh man, I hope 2023 is going to be way better, and we sort of personify the year on the calendar. 2022 is terrible, but 2023 is going to be great. Truth is, none of that's true. Nothing changes. It's all the same. That's the bad news. Sorry, downer. Happy New Year. (laughs) But here's the good news. I actually, but I do think these milestones are actually kind of important, that if you're going to make a change, it's nice to kind of be jogged into, oh yeah, now would be a good time to make a healthy change, to do something different. Um, There are those milestones where you kind of, you look back and reflect and go, there was highs and there was lows of last year, but there's going to be highs and lows of this year, uh, but we're kind of moving into something different. And so I believe all that's true. And it's a great time for us to think about that and think about our lives and what we want them to look like. Um, But I, I don't want us to get stuck in these resolutions that don't actually work. But I do think, actually, we have an opportunity to invest in some rhythms and some habits, maybe some disciplines, where we could actually see transformation in our life. Because I think God wants to continually transform who we are, that he wants to change us, that on an ongoing basis, he wants to make us more look like Jesus, to live out the life of Jesus, which is what we call eternal life, that, that deep and satisfying real life, living on purpose, living through what matters, living that way now in expectation of living that way for eternity. And I wonder, because I'm really not the person to get up here and tell you, hey, here's a resolution. I can help you be more productive or more in shape. I don't know a whole bunch about that. But I wonder if as a church, uh, a bunch of us would say this year, you know, what would be great is if we envisioned a life where we experienced more of God's presence where we got deeper into our relationship with God and what that looked like, where we actually allowed him to transform who we are, what God is already doing, I think, inside of us, what God already wants to do to transform us. What if we said we simply want to become more aware of that and partner with God in what he's doing in our lives to change us and to make us new people on an ongoing basis? And I think if we had that mindset, perhaps a lot of things would change. So for all the people who say resolutions, setting goals, 
whatever language you want, but for a lot of people don't work. There have actually been a lot of research to show us what does work. If you want to change your life or see your life change, what does work? And it's not that goals or resolutions are bad. Those are probably really important. But a lot of research, and there's a bunch of good books on this, have said that where we actually see change is not just a goal, but when we have a, a habit that helps us towards that goal. When our everyday habits change, because that just makes sense, right? You might have this goal that's way out there. This is what I want to do. This is who I want to be. But how do I get there? It's usually those small everyday habits, rhythms, the things that we do over and over and over that compound, like compounding interest to change who we are and make us different. So today, simply what I want to talk about as we start a new year is if we thought about uh, wanting to allow God to continue to change us and for us to simply open ourselves to what that would look like and to partner with him, what would it look like to implement some of those rhythms, some of those habits in our lives? One author who's written about habits a lot, and there's a couple of good ones, but James Clear wrote a book called Atomic Habits and did a lot of the research and, and diving into what habits look like and how they help us change and, and be transformed. Um, and he tells a story uh, after, I think it was after he wrote the book, somebody contacted him and he says, yeah, I'd love to hear the stories about people who have implemented change in their life and they've seen it work. And so he said, somebody contacted me and they told their story. And it was this guy who he wanted to lose some weight. And he contacted him and said, I lost over 100 pounds. And I've kept it off for over a decade. So James Clear said, that's incredible. I want to know more about that. How did that work for you? How did you get this lasting change in your life? And the guy came back and said, here's the very first thing I did that changed everything for me. I started going to the gym, and I wouldn't let myself stay longer than five minutes. And I made that a routine. Now, most of us would go, that's not going to work. Five minutes. You can't do anything in five minutes. He would literally drive to the gym, get out, start an exercise, stop halfway through, leave the gym, drive home, and go home. Five minutes he spent at the gym, but 10 years later, he's lost over 100 pounds. His whole life has changed. You say, how did you do that? And he said, I created this habit. And today I want to tell you why that works, and not just from uh, the, the biological or neurobiological sense. You can get into all that research that is good, but what some of the devotional masters through the centuries that they've tried to follow Christ have been teaching us over and over, some of the things that we read in Scripture that have taught us uh, how God has wired us, how God has created us, and how we can actually see transformation in our life. And I want to distinguish between three sets of things today. Uh, and then I'm going to challenge you to ask yourself, uh, what might be a habit that you need to start, restart, or tweak this year in order to open yourself up to the transformation that God has for you and to wonder if next year we might be different people as we allow God to do that in our lives. Here we go. Three things I want to distinguish between if we want to see uh, the transformation that God is doing in our lives. The first is the difference between earning and effort. Earning versus effort. Dallas Willard, who is uh, a professor, an author, and uh, a great voice on spiritual disciplines and transformation, says this, grace is not opposed to effort, it is opposed to earning. Earning is an attitude, effort is an action. Grace, you know, does not just have to do with forgiveness of sins alone. Here's his point, is that some of us, we have become convinced that when we say, oh, I need to have this, this spiritual discipline, I need to get sort of rigid a little bit with how I read my Bible or how I pray, I need to schedule things, I need to work hard, I need to put effort in, sometimes the pushback is, oh, no, 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 that's earning, and God gives us everything by grace. I'm saved by grace, and so I'm not, I don't want to earn anything. It's not about what I can do or how I can work for God to love me, and that is all true. 
God will not love you anymore. You can't earn God's love, his forgiveness, his grace, his presence. All of that is a precious, precious gift that we receive and is given to us. However, it is also a grace that God says, and if you want to experience more of my presence, if you want to become more aware of what I'm doing in your life, I would, I would invite you to partner with me, and that is going to take effort. And what uh, Dallas Willard wanted us to know is that it's not opposed to grace for us to put in effort. There's a difference between effort and earning. Earning is this attitude that the gospel says, you don't earn what God wants to give you, you receive what God gives to you. However, effort is important, and your effort, God will use and multiply in your life. The Apostle Paul talks, about it in 1 Corinthians 9. Verse 4, he says, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize, so run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So he's saying, we all know this principle in, in athletics, in a sport. The people who win are the people who practice, who are disciplined, who get up early, who work really, really hard because it changes their body, it changes their skill level. It makes a difference. And then he says, but we do it not for just that prize, not just for winning a race, getting a trophy, getting a medal, winning a a championship. We do it for an eternal prize, something that's going to last. So he says, so I run with purpose every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. And I love that metaphor. He talks about shadow boxing, like just sort of sparring, pretending that you're boxing, but not actually hitting anybody. He goes, life is not shadow boxing. Life is not just pretending like you're doing things and there's no real consequences. And if we know anything about the life of the Apostle Paul, it was rough. He set out to reach people for Jesus, but he was opposed every step of the way. He was persecuted. He was arrested. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He, I mean, everything that could come at this guy in life came at him, that it was a difficult life. And he says, listen, I'm not shadow boxing. Life is real boxing. If you're not prepared, you get hit in the face. You get beat down. There's consequences. It hurts. So he says, listen, I know that I need to be ready. I need to be prepared for what life is going to throw at me. And not just physically, we all know physically, if you're going to enter into some contest, you should be disciplined and you should work towards it and you should get your body ready for it. But listen, he's saying for something eternal that's going to last, for my character, for who I are, for who I am, for my perseverance, for the life that I want to live, for the character that I want to have, I'm not just shadow boxing because life will punch you in the nose. So I'm preparing myself. And this is not because I have to earn it, but this is because life requires effort and God asks us to be part of it. Now, some of us will say, well, that sounds rather legalistic. You're just telling me I have to do all these things. And we go back to saying, well, doesn't God just give us all of these things? Don't be legalistic. Don't tell me I have to do all of those things. And I got to be on- I get that, but I got to be honest. What that sort of amounts to is, is someone saying, I really want, I want my body to be healthy. I need more energy. Uh, you know, I, I just, I want to make sure that the things coming into my body are good for me and are helping me thrive and do the things I want to do, uh, all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to eat healthy this year, but I really want it to be authentic. I want it to come from the heart. I want to do it because I want to do it. So I'm going to continue to eat junk food till I really feel like it. I don't want to be legalistic about it. And if that's me, I'm never eating a salad if that's my mindset. I got to be honest with you. 
But listen, legalism is about earning. Legalism is saying, if I do this, I will earn that. If I do this, God will love me. If I do this, God will forgive me. If I do this, God will show up for me. But the difference between earning and effort is huge. God does not say we need to earn anything. But he does invite us to put in effort, to discipline ourselves, as Paul said, to train ourselves like an athlete except spiritually in order to get stronger in those deep and satisfying ways to live the life that God has called us to. So, this is, just, this is just a simple fact, but we need to put in effort in our spiritual lives. We need to put in effort and, and some work into our relationship with God. For what, those moments when you say, it's so hard for me to stay on track in my prayer life and I miss a day and oh, reading the Bible is tough. I, I get it because I think pretty much everybody has those moments and it's tough. Which is why you go, it's worth the effort though. So I'm going to start with one step. Second thing I want to differentiate between is trying and training. So we just saw that word training. Paul saying, I train my, myself the way that an athlete trains their body. Um, but here's one of the, I think, big pitfalls in our spiritual lives and in disciplines is we try really hard, but we don't really train. So here's the truth of the matter. If um, most of us, there's a couple of you out there I know this is not true for, but for most of us, if tomorrow we woke up and said, I'm going to try and run a marathon, we could try as hard as we want. We could try as hard as anybody has tried to run a marathon ever. We could put in all of the effort. I'm going to put in every resource that I have today to run a marathon. If I tried to do that tomorrow, I would fail. Most of you would fail too. There's no way that we would do it, no matter how hard we tried. And it wouldn't be because we didn't try. You wouldn't come home and say, oh, I got like halfway down the street and I had to turn back. You go, what? You weren't trying hard enough. No, I tried. I gave everything that I have. I, I have. There's nothing left in the tank. I tried and tried and tried. Trying is good, but training is better. Training is how we get there. Apostle Paul again, 1 Timothy 4, verses uh, 8 and 9 actually says, Physical training is good. But training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. He's saying very much what he said in verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And he's talking about training. And he's saying, again, you guys understand this, physical training. We can all see the results of someone who trains over and over and over. And so now we want to do some spiritual training. Here's the difference between trying and training. Trying is just, it's our motivation, it's our will, it's giving everything we have. Training is being a little bit smarter about it. It's breaking it down and saying, if I want to get to run a marathon, today I can't try enough hard to do that. But it might be going for a walk around the block. And maybe I need to walk around the block every day for a week and then a month. And then maybe I need to jog a half a kilometer. And then when I get comfortable with that, maybe it's a full kilometer. And then maybe it's two or three or five. I'll work up to 10 and we'll keep going. But training doesn't say, today I'm just going to try hard enough to really accomplish my goal. Training says, what are the small steps, the manageable steps that I can take? And again, we come to our spiritual lives, and I think that's where some of us really drop off. If we go, I am going to try to pray every single day for an hour long. And then the first five minutes, we fall asleep, and we go, oh, that didn't work. And the next day, we go, ah, oh, I'm still tired. I'll probably fall asleep. And then we lose our rhythm, and then we just stop doing it. And then six months later, we go, oh, I blew that. How do I get back on track? And we go into this cycle of kind of guilt, and I didn't do it, and I failed, and I should try and do it, and then I'm going to try again, and then I fail again. And what we need to do is train more than we try. Trying, the effort is important, but it's the training. It's breaking things down into manageable steps. We need to start with those small, manageable steps to say, how do I train? 
And so you wake up tomorrow and you don't say, I'm going to be a spiritual master. You wake up tomorrow and say, maybe I'm going to set an alarm on my phone for five minutes. I'm going to be trying try to be quiet and listen to God for five minutes. And maybe it's going to go horribly, but I'm just going to stick with five minutes for a while. Maybe like our friend who went to the gym, you're going to say, I'm not going to let myself try and go longer than five minutes because I just want to become the kind of person that can be with God for five minutes a day. And when I really master that, when I train to be a five-minute prayer person, then maybe I can consider what my next step is. But we need to start with those small, manageable steps. And then uh, the third thing I would differentiate between, if we want to experience God's transformation in our lives, we need to differentiate between extrinsic and intrinsic rewards. So Jesus puts it this way in Matthew chapter 5. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, when you pray, he's teaching them how to pray, Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. Here's what Jesus is saying. And this is actually really simple. If your goal is for other people to see you as something spiritual. If your goal is that other people notice the progress you're making. If your goal is that other people go, hey, wow, good, that's an extrinsic goal, which means the reward for wanting to be seen is to be seen. Okay? And what's, what's that going to do for you? Might make you feel good for a short couple of minutes. Oh, look, everybody thinks I'm, I'm really good good at praying. I'm a spiritual person. I'm in front of people. I'm at the synagogue. I'm I'm in the streets where people can see me. All Jesus is saying is, if that's your goal, that's your reward. That's your motivation. That's your reward. That's what you get. And I think we're supposed to infer that that's not a great reward, that it only goes so far. It hasn't really changed you. It hasn't really done much in your life. The reward is, if I am seen by people, I'm seen by people, and now I got to go and just find another way to try and impress people. But he says, here, you want to search for something deeper, then go in private, be in the presence of your father, of God, your father, and there in secret, he will reward you. Jesus doesn't say what the reward is here. He says, you'll be rewarded. But it won't be about the external things. It'll be about something deeper, something transformational. It'll be about you in the presence of God, allowing him, I'm adding this, but allowing him to speak into your life, to change you, to transform you, for you to put yourself before God and say, my life is yours. How do you want to speak to me? How do you want to change me? What do you want to do in my life? So oftentimes, some of the downfalls of our goals, of our habits, uh, are that we're just searching for extrinsic goals. And some research says that even if you hit your goal, those don't work. So there are runners and they go, I'm going to run a 10K, I'm going to run a half marathon, I'm going to run a marathon. And they start to run and run and run and run. And then they get to this point where they run their race that they were training for, and then they never run again. And they say, well, what happened? I mean, it's not that they weren't trying hard, they were actually training hard. And they were actually going for it, but they had an extrinsic reward. And so when that external reward was hit, all of a sudden it was like, okay, I don't need to do that anymore. It didn't change them. Do you know what they've actually found? is that runners, and I just use runners because it's a kind of a common you know, habit and people who run always run. But the runners who continue to run, whether they're training for a race or not training for a race, they continue to run every day or three times, four times a week, whatever they do, because they see themselves as runners. Not just because I have a goal, not just because a race is coming up. I might have that, and that might help me along in my discipline, but I run because I'm a runner. And so my rhythm, my discipline, my habit matches up with my identity. 
And I think that's what Jesus is saying here. We need our rhythms to reinforce our identity. I love what uh, Henry Nouwen says. He's one of my favorite writers, and he writes a lot about the spiritual life and the inner life. And uh, He says that perhaps one of the greatest tasks that we have, one of the greatest things we can do for our spiritual life, is every day to wake up and hear what Jesus heard from his Father, from God his Father, when he was baptized. That is, you are my son, or you are my daughter, you are my child, whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. With you I delight. I love you, and I love to be with you. Oh, to know every day that we are God's beloved and to live out of that. So what if our habits reinforce that identity? That over and over and over we want to open ourselves up to hear God say, you are my beloved child and I am crazy about you. And then what if we started living our days out of that? What if we started making our decisions about that? What if, what if we started uh, placing our confidence in that and that seeing that Jesus puts on display the love of the Father as he lives for us, teaches us, dies for us, and forgives us. Here we go. Three tips for transformation, just summarizing. Number one, put in the effort. We need to put in the effort. And effort is not the same as earning. So it's worth the effort to try. Number two, don't try, but train. And so the effort isn't the goal, but it's actually training. And so break those things down into small and manageable goals. If you are not a praying person, but you want to be a praying person, start with just small, a couple of minutes uh, of listening to God or praying through one psalm a day or reading a, a couple of verses and asking God to speak to you through them. Start in small ways or wherever you're at. Maybe it's just one more step. And then three, ask this question, who do I want to become? Not what do I want to do or what do I want to achieve? As important as that is, just remember, we want to attach our habits to our identity. And so as much as we just want to say, here's three goals I'm going to achieve this year. What if we said, who do I want to become this year? What kind of person do I want to become? What's the character that I want to exude in my life? Where is God maybe calling me to be different, to transform me, and there to meet him by putting in the effort, by training, and by asking, who is it that God wants us to be? So individually, here's what I would suggest. Just ask yourself and maybe spend a few minutes, uh, write some things down, but ask yourself, what habits do I need to start, restart, or tweak? Is there a habit that you would say, attaching to my identity, starting small, and just training, but being consistent would actually change my life, even if I started with something very, very small? Why is it that the man who went to the gym and only allowed himself five minutes to exercise, which we all know is not enough. Why did that work for him? And the answer came back because James Clear said, well, why did that work for you? You obviously didn't do enough exercise. He said, because I wanted to become the kind of person who went to the gym four times a week. And before I could do anything else, I needed to master that. And so for five minutes, four times a week, I went to the gym. And when I mastered that, I could build on that. And I didn't just start working out. I started becoming a healthier person. And this was a habit that was part of it. And I wonder if we would do the same. Now, corporately, I have a challenge for us. So as individuals, I think that would be great. Together as a church, uh, we have a challenge for you. And I want to uh, just throw this out to you. Last week on New Year's Day, we weren't meeting here in person. We did put a video on our YouTube channel um, 
John and Christy Latta led us in that and just shared from their heart, and I think from us as leaders as a church a little bit, one of the things that we would like for us as a community this year is to ask, where is God leading us together corporately? And we don't want that just to be one or two people dictating what that means. Uh, we want to actually follow God's leading in our church, in our community this year, and ask some of these questions. Who are we, and where does God maybe want to grow us and transform us as a church this year? And we think um, that as we pray together, what will happen is that God will probably um, just have a few themes or thoughts or things emerge that are common to many of us that might confirm that he is speaking to us. So uh, if you haven't already, go on to our YouTube channel. Uh, there's a banner on our website you can click through and watch that video. It's just seven minutes long, I think, and uh, you can get all the instructions. But here's the question we would love for you. We have, again, through our website, a really quick um, form that you can fill out. And it's simply this, to answer this question, to fill in the end of this sentence, because we want to just hear God's voice speaking to us this year at Westside. It's this, after taking time to pray and listen to God, so part of the challenge is take a few days Listen to God in your prayer life. Open up your heart and your mind to what God might be speaking to you. And finish the sentence. I believe he is inviting us as a church into. And then if there are words, if there are phrases, if there are sentences, things that God is bringing to your mind that you feel like this is God speaking to me, we would love for you to go to our website, click through the survey, and to fill that in. And again, what we want to do is just together trust that God will speak to us and have some things emerge that might be really helpful for us to follow Jesus this year, not just as individuals, but together as a church. Let me pray real quick, and then I've got uh, some announcements for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you that you invite us by your grace to participate with the transformation you're working in our lives. I pray because we know that our, our spiritual disciplines and rhythms are so difficult that you would, uh, you would give us the effort, that you would give us wisdom as we train, and that you would help to reinforce our identity that we find ultimately in Jesus and in the love that you've poured into our lives, the Holy Spirit that empowers us. Pray that you would speak to us as individuals and corporately as we pray together for the direction of our church this year and some things that we believe you might want to do in transforming who we are. Thank you for your presence with us. Help us to become more and more aware of who you are and what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, the last couple of months, we've been raising money for our provision project, and I want to tell you a little bit about how that's been going uh, you can see some of our targets behind me, some of the things that we thought uh, would be really important for us as a community. Uh, actually, how the conversations went is we just talked about uh, some of the needs that we see, and we wanted to meet those needs and partner with God because we believe that God is the great provider. He's the one that sees needs and the ones that provides for needs. So uh, some of our building, the things that we want to do here, because to be able to come and worship and to invite friends and family is so important. To be able to house a great space for our kids and our youth uh, is, is crucial. Uh, we want to make a difference in Guatemala and partner with Ryan's Raise to uh, help fund a care center for kids uh, who have incredible needs and to see their lives transformed. And we want to start off this year uh, in a good position because we have some outreach and growth initiatives that we believe God has called us to. We want to invest in marriages. You heard about the marriage course today in our announcement. We want to invest in our children's ministry, which is overflowing at the moment. We want to invest in uh, our community and beyond in what God is calling us to do, and we want to be able to uh, be in a strong position to do that. I want to tell you a little bit about why we do these end-of-the-year fundraising. This is above and beyond our normal expenses, our month-to-month -month stuff, which so many of you support and can continue to support. Um, reason we do it, we found the last few years, is that these are not just times where we raise a few bucks and do some projects. 
I have found that they are, are things, projects that God puts on our hearts and we plan for them and we can kind of see why they'll make a difference. But in the end, the only time we really see the impact and we can really evaluate it is in hindsight. So we see there's a need here and we want to meet it. But then a while later, we look back and said, God does things that we could have never planned. Last year, we called this, uh, this fund the Committed to Community Fund. And we were all kind of stumbling out of isolation and COVID. You remember that? And there was a bunch of people that we prayed and we kind of asked God, what do you think is next for Westside and what do we need to invest in and where do we need, we need to be going? And it was such a confusing time for a lot of churches because we didn't know what to expect and who's going to show up again and what's going to happen and is anybody going to come back afterwards? And we believe that God put on our hearts that word community. And we believe that God wanted us to prepare for a community and that there needed to be resources. And so we went to our people and we said, we need you to pray for the community of Westside because we think God is doing something. We don't even know what it is yet, but we got to be prepared. We got to be prepared for a growth that we hadn't seen yet. We have to be prepared for people to come here and we need some money in the bank to do it. We probably need to extend, expend our staff team. And so we went to uh, you who were here then and we asked you to pray and we asked you to give and we raised a whole bunch of money so that we could add staff member so that we could have resources in the bank. And so I just need you to know because there's a whole bunch of you that if you are new to the Westside family in the last 12 months, there were people at this time last year who were praying for you and gave for you and for your children because God put it on your heart before we knew you. That's what happens at these kind of projects. We didn't know it was going to happen. Listen, our church has gone through an explosive season of growth. When we raised money for that and we prayed for it, we did not know that. We felt like God was saying, take a step of faith. And we look back and we've invited so many people into this family and seen God change people's lives this past year as a result of that. And we didn't know that last January, but God is good because God provides. So this year, we just went on that because we felt like God was providing for us. And I remember sitting in meetings and um, John, our executive pastor, we were coming up with targets of needs that we thought were really important that would change. And we were trying to figure out how much they would cost. And John kept asking us, well, how much do we need? How much do we need? In other words, what will actually make a difference? Like you could raise 10 bucks, but what's going to make a difference? What's going to help us actually uh, get to what we think God is calling us to? And so we put these numbers down and we, our target was $60,000 and that's way more than we've ever raised at Christmas above and beyond our normal stuff. And then we ask you guys to partner with us because we really believe in what God is doing here and we want God to change lives at Westside. We know the building needs to house, like I said, our kids, our youth and us and our friends and family that we're going to invite. We, need, we believe there are these incredible needs in Guatemala, and we see that God's already there. He's ahead of us. He's working. And uh, we believe that this year there's some significant things that's going to happen in our growth and outreach spaces that we need to invest in. And so we just said, this is what we need, even though it's a bigger number that we've ever raised before. And then we started raising it. And I'll tell you this, last week, um, I got so happy because we went over it. And then we realized as we were accounting that we miscounted something, and we went back under it. And sometimes that's part of life, right? You put a, like, we just been target, targets and goals we've been talking about all morning. And sometimes you just don't hit it and you got to live with that and you go a little bit below. And I was a little bit bummed about that because I thought, man, we're just, we're getting there and, and it was awesome. And then, uh, and then another donation came in late and they said, can I still get this into the provision project? So this year we raised $60,137. <laughs> Come on. I'll tell you one of the things that means. Every donation matters. Everybody who said, I have something to give, God put it on my heart, makes a difference. 
And this is what happens when we come together year after year as a family and go, hey, we think God is calling us to, to do some things. And it's really, it's what he does, not what we do. And we just say, man, if we could partner with it, whatever we have to give to him. And so we are going to celebrate today. And one of the things I'm so excited about is Ryan's Raise and the project that's happening in Guatemala. So Cliff, would you come on up? Uh, we have a mic here because I want Cliff to tell you guys where we're at. Uh, in that project, because we're a small part of it, but you guys are raising 145000 um, Cliff, we have a check for you. Here we go. All right. We have... It should, it should be on. Did you touch it? I didn't touch it. Can you hear me? No. I've touched it. Can you hear me? There you go. Cliff, we have a check for you that the bank will take too, not oh, just this awesome. one. We have, an awesome. actual, we have an actual that's check. Awesome. This is just because we want to have fun. But Cliff, tell us, um, because you were here um, in front of everybody a month ago telling about the needs and where, we're at, where you're at, and, the thing, and you were just getting started. Where are you at a month later now? So, so first of all, on behalf of uh, the entire board of Brian's Raised Foundation, thank you, Westside family. Thank you so much. You know, in October, we decided to embark on this project. $145,000. We had no idea how long it was going to take us to raise the money. 18, 24 months. Uh, because of your contribution and partnership today, as of today, you've just put us over $100,000. And $100,000. And we look, uh, we're looking forward to break ground, hopefully next month on building this care center for the children with disabilities, which is really needed. And, uh, and tracking along with you every step of the way to share what your contribution is doing and the lives you're touching. So thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Cliff. You guys are doing it. These guys are doing it. We're going to partner with them. Like he said, we're going to give you updates as we go. Uh, this doesn't stop here, our support. We want to continue walking with them. Uh, today, we're celebrating. We're celebrating because we called this project the Provision Project, not because we can provide, but because God provides. So today, uh, afterwards, we got some cake. Uh, hope you'll stick around. We're going to celebrate a little bit. Just enjoy this. And uh, the band's going to come out now. I'm just going to pray. Um, and when we started this, we were talking about the names of God if you remember this. And that week we were talking about uh, Jehovah Jireh, or Yahweh Yireh, God provides. And we sang the song and the whole thing. Today, this is all about God provides. And as we just put in some effort and walked alongside of him by his spirit, he has done a great thing that we are going to celebrate today. God provides. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you've done here. I thank you for the generosity of our people, for the way you put it on their hearts and provided for them. And we pray for the needs because I think we have an idea of what you're doing, but I don't think we even know what you're going to do over the next year. We pray that this building would be a place where the good news of Jesus is not just spoken, but is lived out. A place where people come to know that God, that you love them, that you care for them, that you're with them, that you provide for them. We pray that lives in Guatemala would be changed, that young children who have uh, just devastating needs would know how much they are loved and cared for, that they would get uh, practical, emotional, and spiritual care that would transform their lives because you're in it and your Holy Spirit is there. And this year, as we set out on some outreach and some growth initiatives in our kids' ministry, we pray that you'd be growing up young lives that love you so much because they've gotten an anchor laid in their life that they know how much you love them first that our, our, our youth and, and young people would grow up to understand that they can make a difference for you because your spirit lives inside of them. 
I pray, God, that this year marriages would be strengthened and maybe even saved as a result of some of the the coming together and some of the learning and the, the groups that we can be in. We pray that our life groups would foster deep relationships where people are cared for and loved and where we grow together. God, we pray that 2023 would be a transformational year, not because of what we can do, but because of what you do. Thank you for being the God who provides. In Jesus' name.